Praise God, amen. It's good to see so many of you here today. Uh, Nathan, thank you for leading us in those good songs, lifting up uh, praise to God. Mike, appreciate your beautiful prayer as well. Kyle, great time of reflection as we thought about Jesus. Uh, if you're visiting with us this morning, we want you to know that you're our honored guest. We're glad that you're here. I know we probably have some special folks on a special day. Uh, we're so thankful for our mothers. As I think about the lessons we've been walking through, so many of us were blessed with mothers who instilled this idea of love. Uh, obviously, our mothers loved us, so many of us, and they've taken care of us in so many different ways. They've sort of modeled the idea of how to care for others. Uh, that's, for many of us, that's our first experience with the idea of love. And as we think about loving our fellow man, and as we've thought about loving the Lord and His church, as we think about what we're, our topic for today, I'm so thankful for so many of us who have had that opportunity to have a mother who, have, who has modeled those things. Uh, we've got a lot of college students that have graduated. We want to congratulate them for the work that they've done and coming back home and being with us this summer. We're excited to have them home. Also can't uh, get into the lesson without saying thank you uh, for so many people that made last Sunday night uh, possible. I think we had, I, don't, I didn't see the last number, maybe 460 plus people were here in time of worship. That took a lot of work and a lot of pizza and a lot of chairs and a lot of tables and a lot of cleanup. And I so appreciate this congregation. Uh, Southgate always uh, steps up when work needs to be done. And I'm so thankful for each one of you who've done that. This morning, we're beginning our third lesson on our series entitled Growing in Love. Uh, we've talked about this idea of love, the greatest need of all mankind, the need to be loved and the, the need to love, uh, the need to care, and the need to be cared for. And whenever it comes to our highest level of happiness, uh, what's going to happen? It's not going to be about just a dollar sign. It's not going to be about some great achievement. When it comes to happiness and blessings in life, so many times it all comes down to whether or not we are loved, whether or not we understand love. Uh, many times our success and what we're going to do is going to be based on our ability to love other people. When Jesus talked about those who were going to be disciples, he says, you know how I want you to be known? I want you to be known for your love. For your love for your fellow man and for your love for God. Well, we've been talking about this idea of love, and we've been saying, look, when it comes to growing in love, it's kind of predictable. There's a process. There's a way that so many times we see that there's this process of how we grow in love with others, and this week our focus I really have saved the best for last, the greatest purpose of a disciple. And we're looking at how can I grow in love with God? How can you grow in love with God? Well, why would you want to do that? If somebody may come and they don't have a full understanding of God and we have this idea of loving him, when it comes to what being a disciple and a Christian about, Jesus is going to say that we are called to love God, but that can uh, have difficulties or many barriers that the world is going to set up and to put into our minds to keep us from loving him. In order to love God, you have to know God. And I think that's an important thing. Many times, many of the messages about God in this world are going to proclaim a God that the Bible doesn't talk about. A lot of people have made up and formed their own view of God. And sometimes they sit around and if you think of God as someone who's only sitting there waiting to punish you, well, that's not going to be an altogether biblical view. If that's all that you see about God, then that might make him hard to love. 
If you think of God as someone who really doesn't need to be respected and you don't have to fear or have any reverence at all for God, but God is just going to allow you to do whatever you want. It doesn't really matter what happens. Just at the end, make sure to to point in his direction. Then that's going to make it very hard to love someone. It's hard to love someone that you don't respect and fully understand. So we have to know God as well. The barrier, the, uh, the world sets up a lot of different barriers when it comes to our love for God. But to come to love God is our greatest purpose. So many times with our children as parents, and I think mothers on Mother's Day know this, if your child could only know how much you love them, don't you wish they knew? They really can't though, can they? Yesterday at our house, we had an interesting situation. I still am sort of shaky thinking about it. My rope on my flagpole came down, and it's really hard to get a rope back up into the pulley at the top of a flagpole that's way off the ground. And uh, I wasn't going to go up there, so what do you do? You find your most athletic, agile son and say, hey, I'll help you get up there. And I'm not even going to describe the situation that we had set up to attempt to get up that high. And he got up there, and all I started thinking was, I don't care about the flag. I don't care about the flagpole. I don't care about any of this. Just, just come down. You know, he's almost got it. I've almost got it. Just come down. Horrified and scared. Why? There's nothing in the world I value more than my children. And you can say that. And as children, we were told that by our parents. Our mom said, oh, I love you. And you're like, thanks, mom. I get it. And we didn't get it, did we? Until you become a parent. Until you have a child and you look at them and you hold them and for the first time in your life you go, this is love. I would do anything for someone else. And we don't get it. And whenever I start to think about God saying, Jesus saying, look, what we want to do is we want to love the Lord our God and we want to love him in so many different ways. And I think God is looking down at us and he says, if you only knew. If you only knew, we would all say, well, God, God said, you know, you know God loves you, right? You're like, yeah, I know God loves you. But we don't really fully comprehend his love for us. When you think about reasons to love God, we have to remember that he first loved us. We've already mentioned John 3, 16 this morning. What's the idea? That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, John the apostle, the one whom Jesus loved, says we love because he has first loved us. In every loving relationship, somebody has to initiate it, don't they? Somebody has to say, hey, you know what? I'm interested in you. I would like to get to know you. I would like to go out with you. I would like to date you. And somebody has to initiate that relationship. And when we talk about growing in love for God, we need to know and remember that God is the one who initiated the love in this relationship that we're to have with him. God started this relationship. He created us. He loved us. Before we understood him or who he was, he was already loving us. And he's given us so many reasons to love him. Romans chapter 5 verse 6 says that Jesus, when he initiated this love, he initiated a lot of times we'll start loving someone and we have no idea what that person is going to do. We have no idea what our child will become. But what do we know? I'm going to love you from this point on. And God decided to do that for us as well. You look at Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. It says, For while we were still weak, 
at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, someone would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us and that while we were sinners, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God loves sinners. God loves broken people. He loves us in spite of our faults, in spite of our weaknesses, in spite of the fact that he knew that we were going to choose to go against his will at times. He still loved us. He still wanted to initiate this relationship with us where he could come and he could be our advocate, where he could come and defend us, where we could come and be with him because he loved us. He didn't love us and die for us so that we would continue living however we wanted. He died for us so he could come and save us, deliver us from the sins that cause problems in our world. This morning I want to give you two truths as we get into the idea of how we can love God. The first one I want you to know is that your love for God is the most important thing about you. I don't know if I ask you this morning, what's the most important thing about you that I need to know? I don't know what answer you would give. A lot of times it's very easy to think about other things. You might talk about what sports you play or you might think about what your grades are. You might think about what job you have or whether you own a business or what business you work at. You may think about relationships in your family. You can think about a lot of different things. Say, what's the most important thing about me? I want you to know that the most important thing about you is your love for God. Why would I say that? Because that's what Jesus told us. Matthew chapter 22 Verses 37 and 38, is, is he's asked, what is the greatest commandment? What is going to really matter throughout all of eternity? And Jesus says, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your, and with all of your mind. This is the first and the great commandment. Mark is going to add strength there. But he says, what's the most important thing about what you're going to do in life? It's going to be about how well you love God. Second truth I want to remind you of is this. As we've seen it with our relationships with fellow man and other people, love for God is more than simply a feeling. It's more than simple a superficial thing that I'm going to try to grab out there that if I can feel a certain way, then that means that I'm in love. It's more than that. Loving God is more than just feeling close to him or feeling thankful or openly declaring something about God. Loving God, love is a verb in so many ways as you look in scripture. Love is uh, whenever we love someone or the absence of love shows up in our actions. In our lives when it comes to the idea of loving God, how we behave how we deal with others, how we set our priorities. There's a lot of things that can lead into that. If you're ignoring God's will for your life right now, there's a lot of different things you could point to, but I want you to know one thing. Whatever you're pointing to, ultimately it leads to a lack of love for God. Every time we sin, it's because... I love something else more than I love God. Every time we choose ourselves, as opposed to what God wants, really it comes back to a love for him. When you love God enough, what happens? 
the same thing that happens in every aspect of our life. When we love someone enough, our behavior starts to change. How we talk to them changes. How we interact with them changes. Why? Because love is a powerful thing that shows up in what we do. 1 John chapter 3. If you look there in Scripture, John is again talking about here, he's really discussing our love for other people. But as he talks about this idea of love, he says, Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. He says, look, whenever we start caring for other people, and that's the same thing that we talk about so many times in our relationship. You know, actions speak louder than words is what we say. And he says, look, whenever you start to love someone, don't just do it in what you're saying. Don't just say you love God, but what do you do? How do you act? That is going to determine or show whether or not you love God or not. If you're in 1 John, you turn over to chapter 5, and you look in verses 1 through 3, and he says this about those who have been born of God. He says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. It's the idea of loving the church that we talked about last week. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments aren't burdensome. A lot of times as you look at being a disciple and saying, look, I want to be what God wants me to be, but I'm having a hard time finding the motivation. Have you ever been there and you say, well, I know what I need to do, but I'm just not feeling it. I'm just not really giving myself to that. It's hard for me right now to really act the way that I'm hearing whenever I start to read scripture, whenever I start to hear what God's saying. I'm having a hard time moving this into actions. Well, you know what the challenge is? The challenge is to grow in love with God. Because when you grow in love with God, actions will start to naturally follow. Sometimes what we try to do is we try to act a certain way. And if you're trying to act like you like somebody and you don't really like them all that much, eventually you can work all you want, but a lot of times those actions aren't going to produce until you start to change from within. And if we're trying to walk with God in life and we're trying to do certain things in order to get some rules followed, but at the same time we're really not growing in love with God... We're going to be frustrated with our Christian walk. So that's why I want to talk to you this morning about how you can grow in love. Remember that love is not static. It is not something that sits still. Today you are either growing more and more in love with God or you're going to shrink. You can't just tread water. Love is something that needs to be constantly moving. And it's going to either be moving in a positive direction or a negative direction. This morning what we want to do is we want to turn and make sure that we're taking positive steps in, our, in growing for our love for God. Well, you have to understand the process. We've seen it time and again. What do we do whenever it starts to fall in love with a person? Whenever we're going to love the church, it begins with this realization of a need. Why do I love God? Why do I need to love God? We've looked at a couple different reasons, but I want to remind you of the need that you have to be in love with God. To love God is the highest call of all mankind. Whenever a person realizes who God is and how they ought to love them, so many other aspects of your life will fall in line. If you're wanting to work in love because in your home you're wanting your home to be more loving, falling in love with God is going to make your home more loving. If you're figuring out saying, well, look, I want to love the church, but I'm trying to figure this out. I'm trying to figure out what I need to do in my life. When you start to fall in love with God more, you're going to love his body. You're going to love the church more and more. Figuring out how to love God is going to solve so many things in life. 
What happens when we love God? We need to realize that need because when a person finally figures out the need to love God, it's going to come because they understand, hey, this is my origin. God made me. And as he made me, he put within me a desire that I'm either acting on or I'm ignoring, but he has made me like him so that I can be with him. We don't come from an accident. We're not simply animals. We're made by a loving God who has made us so that we can return our love for him as well. What else happens as we understand God? We come to figure out what our real purpose is. Jesus says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and he loses his soul? What is it really going to profit if I go and I create all kinds of other relationships and I go and create business and I go and accumulate wealth and I go and do all these other things, but really I haven't come to know the one who made me, who designed me, who gives me purpose in life. See, once we live in sync with our purpose from our creator, once we live in sync with him, What's going to happen? So many things start to fall in place. We find our purpose. Ecclesiastes, we read, what's the whole duty of man? Fear God and keep his commandments. Whenever we enter a loving relationship, we can do that to be with the only person who will never leave us. A lot of people are living with an absence of a love for God. And here was a man who was going on a search. Ecclesiastes was written by King Solomon who was given unbelievable wealth and he was given wisdom from on high and he makes a decision, I'm gonna go and try to figure out what life is all about. And as you read the first two chapters of that book, he's going and he is uh, creating great building projects. He is accumulating all kinds of things for pleasure, for wealth, he's searching all. He's building his, his home, his capital city. He's going in and gathering an unbelievable wealth but he finally sits down in life and he says, I, I considered all that my hands have done, the toil that I expended in doing it, and behold, all was vanity and striving after the wind. There was nothing to be gained under the sun. And as he's talking about under the sun, he's saying, look, if it's just in the realm of what I see, he says, really, I've been spinning my wheels. Have you ever felt that way? What's it really all about? What is my purpose? These other pursuits that I've had feel like chasing the wind. They feel empty in what I'm trying to do. See, that's the end of a life that has ignored God and the need to love him. And he says this in verse 17. He says, I hated life because what is done under the sun was grievous to me for all is vanity and striving after the wind. Solomon was a guy that stood on, sat on a throne of ivory and he overcovered it in gold. Silver was counted like rocks in his day. He wouldn't drink out anything that was silver. Anything he was going to drink out of was going to be solid gold. He had unbelievable wealth. He just built entire cities, entire gardens, entire irrigation systems to water his gardens. He had all the fresh food that he wanted, all the entertainment. If he liked a singer, they just came. He was going to have all of these people to make him happy, to give him all of these things. And what does he say about life? I hated life. Because all this seems so empty. What had he lost? He had lost his love for God. You can chase a lot of things in life and be like, okay, this is going to make me happy. If I love this, 
It's going to make me happy. But ultimately, what do we find? A lack of love for God leads to an empty life. And when we see all the different mental disorder problems that we have in our country right now, and we see all kinds of people that are acting in crazy ways, you know what you're not finding within their life? A genuine love for God. They've lost their purpose. They don't understand why they're here. They've been told they're animals. They don't have any eternal purpose. And what do they do? If my life ends, who cares? They've lost it all. Because we've removed the idea of here's your creator, here's your origin, here's your purpose. And what are you made to do? You're made to be connected with a father who loves you. And when you love him in return, he's going to bless every aspect of your life. We could stay here all day long looking at the need to love God. But I ask you this morning, have you realized your need to love him and to be loved by him? It is the greatest of all commandments. Well, how do I grow in love with God? The second step in a process is you see a need, you see this idea of you want to love God, and then it's going to take communication in order to love with him. You have to communicate with others in order to fall in love with them. Now, whenever you think about God, this is hard for many of us. You think about communicating with him and trying to figure that out. What is it as we came in here this morning? We came in saying, holy, holy, holy. Were you communicating with God or were you just going through a song that you had heard before? See, the challenge on real communication is I've got to focus and think about what I'm saying to him. As I come to praise him, I want to communicate to him. I want to think about my words. And it's so very necessary. Our relationship with God is very similar to your relationship with other people. If you don't communicate with them, you're not going to grow in love with him. It's just like others in our life. You're never going to grow in love with someone that you don't interact with. So what do we do? We have to make sure that we're speaking to God. How many times have you prayed to God in the last week? See, as we think about, well, I'll, I want to love God. I see a need for it. But are you co trying to communicate with him? Now, that's a discipline, and tonight when we come back, we're going to talk about some real concrete ways that we can try to make sure that we're connecting with God and talking to him. And how do I do that? That's a learning process as well. But if you haven't been speaking to God this week, you're going to have a hard time showing up on a Sunday morning and think, wow, I'd really love the one that I haven't spoken to this week. You think about people that you care about. How many times have you spoken to a person that you love this week? When you love somebody, what's happening? You're talking to them on a regular basis because that's the way that love works. We have to speak to him and we pray to him, but we also want God to speak to us. And as we come together, what do we want to do? We want to see his word. We study. And if you want to try to come to know God and know who he is and what he wants and how he loves you, you come to look at his word. Look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. What does he tell us? He says, the word of God is living and it's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul of the sp and, and of spirit, of joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. God's word has the ability to speak to you and to speak to your heart. God's word has a lot of messages for you. God has sent you a love letter for you to look at and to consider, but then you say, well, have you opened the Bible this week to let God speak to you? You can imagine a big stack of love letters that are sent, and the person takes them and drops them in the trash. doesn't matter how many love letters are sent until you open them up and look at them. And what does God's word say? It tells us so many things. 
Let God tell you, I will never leave you or forsake you. Let him tell you, look, I won't allow you to be tempted above what you're able, but with every temptation, I'll make a way of escape. God wants you to know that like you're not trapped and it's not something, well, I can't defeat this. Yes, you can. Whatever you're struggling with, God will help you through those things. How do you know it? Because he's told you that. Let him tell you that, look, nothing can separate you from my love, neither height nor depth nor any created thing. Nothing in the world can make God not love you. Will you love him in return? Let God's word speak into your heart. What does God want to tell you? All things will work together for good to those who love the Lord, to those who called according to his purpose. He wants to tell you these things that bring peace and give you hope and help you to understand how much he loves you. But are you taking the letters and dropping them in the trash and missing them. Relationships are hard, aren't they? Love can be difficult, but it takes discipline. We speak to him. We communicate to him. We let him communicate to us. And whenever we think about our communication with God, it's so important to pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. Cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. God's word is trying to tell you, look, this is how you're going to have this relationship with him. And his word is speaking to us. And if we'll heed it, we'll continue to grow in love. So very important to communicate with God. The next thing that we see is that we have to decide to be a giver. There's a young man that was just getting married. And he was talking to an older gentleman who had been married for years and years. And he was saying, look, you know, I want to make sure I'm doing these things right. What do, I, what do I need to make sure that I do? And the older gentleman had a lot of advice for him about different ways he could communicate. And trying to come to understand his wife and figure out the things that she needed. And he says, one thing that you want to make sure that you absolutely never do. Never forget your anniversary or her birthday. And the young man got a little nervous because this guy looked really, really serious about it. He's like, well, I'm not real good at remembering those things. Do you have any advice on how to make sure I never forget it? He said, well, yeah, son, just forget it once. (laughs) You'll remember it from that point on. What do we kind of expect out of people who love us? We expect to give, right? When we love someone else, we start to give them things. We love that exchange back and forth of loving somebody. When it comes to God, what happened? He gave his only begotten son. Why? Because he loved you that much. But as we're going to grow in love, we sit there and we get to reflect on how he has given to us. And then we make a decision as well. What have I done for God lately? Am I giving things to God? And there's a lot of different aspects of our lives where God is looking for us to be givers. I think of Psalm 51 as David had fallen into sin and he's sitting there and he's trying to think about the mistakes that he's made in life and he knows that he's serving a holy God. He knows that he's serving one who can give him the joy of his salvation. He's coming and he wants to be cleansed and he says, you know what? I would give you sacrifices except that's not exactly what you want right now. Now the law says you have a sin offering and the king could have lined up animals all the way down the road to offer sacrifices to God. But what does he say? He says what you really want is a broken and contrite heart. If you've sinned in life and you've gone against God, you know what he wants you to give him? He wants you to give him a broken heart that says, God, I'm sorry. 
for the things I've done and I'm going to actively come and repent to you. David says, once I've done that, I'll get back to the sacrifices, but I want to put first things first. Maybe this morning, in order to grow in love with God, you have to come and be honest with him and say, God, I've ignored your ways. I've chosen my own path, and it's led me farther away from you, but I want to be close to you once again. And what do you give him? You give him that broken heart. We think about a lot of different ways that we can give. I was talking to a a young minister this week, and he was telling me that in the midst of his work, he ended up going through, and as he was working up different things on online giving, he came through and he saw what a lot of people had given. And he said, he wasn't making much money. He says, how am I giving more than most of the people that were on there? You know what I just knee-jerk reaction said? Never look at any of that. I never look at any of that. I never see anything that has to do with giving. But I thought that's a pretty bad piece of advice from a standpoint of where we are. Don't look at how much Christians give to God because it would discourage you. I have no idea what anybody in here gives, and frankly, uh, that, that amount doesn't matter to me at all. What matters to me deeply is that you want to give back to the God who's given everything to you. God loves a cheerful giver. And I see that. I saw that last Sunday night with all the different works and all the things that you can do. I think it's really exciting to see our amount that our building debt is that was $1.2 or $3 million four or five years ago, and it's down to $107,000. We gave money today. It's going to be back into five digits, and it's going to be gone by the end of the year, Lord willing. What does that represent? It represents people who've said, I want to give back to God. That's a measure of how important someone is to you. Whenever you come and you give someone something, you're saying, look, I am important to you. And God isn't looking for something because he needs our money. He's wanting us to be people that are like him that say, look, I want to give as well. And whenever you start thinking about doing things for God, are you making him a priority in what you do and where you spend your time and where you spend your money? The world a lot of times says, what have you done for me lately? That's what they're asking. A lot of them will look at God and say, God, I want to be healed. I want to be saved. I want to be delivered. I want strength. I want you to do and do and do. God, give to me. And they never turn around and say, what have you given to the Lord? Part of a loving relationship is that we give. Let's never forget that. Fourth thing in making sure that we love someone is we start to spend time together. And I think that's important for us to always remember. How much of time do you give each week where you spend with God? We live in a busy, busy world, and that can be so very difficult. Psalm 46, the psalmist writes, God is our refuge and strength, the very help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. He's saying, look, God is with me. I am hand in hand with him, and nothing in the world is going to shake me. But he tells us why he can say that in verse 10. Look at Psalm 46, verse 10. He reminds us, be still and know that I am God. If you want to grow in love with him, you have to spend time with him. Quiet time and meditation. Maybe that's going to be reading your Bible at the beginning of the day. Put it on top of your phone. You'll touch it first. 
Maybe that's going to be praying through your day. Maybe that's praying when you wake up. Maybe that's praying before you go to bed. Maybe it's going to be a time of Bible study, and you're going to get to work a little bit early, and there at your desk you can stop and give God a little bit of your time as you focus on him before you get into all the craziness that's about to happen. But you have to make a determination that you're going to spend time with him. We come to worship. We go to Bible class. What are we doing? We're wanting to communicate and let him communicate to us. Maybe it's just going you're going to go walk. And as you're walking, you're going to talk to your maker. You're going to make your interaction with him a part of your daily life. It can happen in the car. It can happen on the beach. It can happen in a deer stand. It can happen wherever you are. You stop and you communicate with God. And that's something that is so going to be very, very key. But it only happens if we stop and make that a priority. And I will tell you this, though. The more you spend time with God the more you're going to grow in love with him. The more you determine to spend time with God, the more you're going to grow in love with him. See, God is someone that you can't just spend time with and leave with, without being changed. You aren't going to leave. Moses, every time he went up there and he was going to speak with God and we got to have a physical representation of God and they would meet there in the tabernacle and he would leave and his face was glowing, scriptures would tell us. He was going to physically be changed because he just came in a, in a relationship with him. As we come into the presence of God and you start to talk to him and you start to make prayer a priority of your life and you start to make worship a priority, you're going to lead to be a changed person. Your spouse is going to love you, going to be able to love you so much better when you allow God to change your life your friends and what happens with drama at school is going to be totally different when you let God change your life what you do with those around you will be changed because God changes you through his spirit he will bring up fruit in your life that makes peace so much easier that makes love easier that makes patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness he wants to change you but you have to walk with him in order to be changed he'll forever change you the last step that we've mentioned each week is at some point in the relationship special attention is given one day really all that's going to matter is your love for God really today all that matters is your love for God and how you express that he's already expressed his love he's already done he's already given all that he can give all that you needed his love is there nothing can separate you from it but you're going to have to come into contact with him and what does he say he wants you to keep his commandments and his commandments shouldn't be burdensome if you love him he comes and says turn away from the world i came to deliver you from sin have you repented from it have you confessed who i am to other people have you come and made a decision to be buried with me in baptism so that our loving relationship can begin and you can start to walk with me? As I close this series, I just thought of one final thought that I wanted you to consider this morning. The difficult aspect of unreturned love. Have you ever been there? Have you ever loved somebody and they decided that they didn't love you in return? Dating somebody, you get that Dear John letter. I don't know where it's a Dear John letter. I'm not sure what that's about. You come and you've loved your children and maybe they've made a decision that's not loving in return. You've had friends that are like, hey, we were really tight and then they decided to go a different direction and they leave you. 
If you had somebody that you committed to and they decided they weren't going to be committed to you. You've offered love and it's not returned. Revelation chapter 2, Jesus was talking to churches. He was talking to Christians. He was talking to seven churches in Asia, and one of them was there in Ephesus. It was a large church. You read the letter to the Ephesians, and he's talking to them about what they had done in life. And God is looking down upon the church, and he's looking at each of all the, the different members of that congregation, and he has a message for them in chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. He tells them, look, you're doing a lot of good things. There's a lot of things going on well in your life. But then he's identified a fatal flaw that is going to have to change in their life in verse 4. And he says this. He says, I have this against you. You've abandoned the love that you had at first. You've forgotten your first love. What does he tell them? Remember, therefore, where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. This morning as I talk to you, I want you to know that God has offered every aspect of love, but have you returned that? Some of you made a decision once. You even made a commitment. You stood up and you confessed Jesus. You even came and you were buried in the waters of baptism. But as God is looking, these people had done that as well. And he looks at them and says, no, you know what you've really done? You've left your first love. I don't feel like you love me. Why? Because I'm watching your actions. I'm watching your priorities. I'm watching what you're doing. And what God doesn't tell them is, therefore, I'm done with you. God doesn't say that. What does he say? You can come back because love, even though we can grow out of love, you can grow right back into love. And what does he say? Remember what it used to be like. Remember what it really was when you first became a Christian. What did you do? Repent and come back and do the works that you did at first. Why? Because the good news is love can always grow when a person says, that is now going to be my priority. This morning, I want to encourage you. If you've left your first love, come back to him. Why? Because these final two passages that we'll close with this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. But as it is written, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man has imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. When you know your creator and you know what he made you for and you live according to that purpose and you walk in line with him, Paul was telling the Corinthians, you can't get it. I can't explain it to you. It's like that mother looking at that child saying, I love you, and you don't get it at all. We can't fully comprehend what God wants to do for us. But he says things are in store for those who will love him. James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he shall receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Do you love God this morning? Are you looking to grow in love? Do you need to take actions because of that love? Maybe it's to begin that walk with him. We invite you to do that. If you need to return back to your walk with him, do something special for God today. Make a change, change your priorities, and trust him to change your life. If we can help you in any way, we invite you to come as we stand and as we sing.